0: RunAsRadio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 328, Desired State Configuration, with guest Jeffrey Snover. Recorded Thursday, July 29th, 2013. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com you can follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash run as radio thank you Brandon. this is richard campbell and thanks for listening to run as radio i've got one of the great rock stars on the show today jeffrey snover is the distinguished engineer and the lead architect for the windows server division is that still accurate sir Uh, No, it
1: isn't. I'm the uh, lead architect for the Windows Server Division
0: and System Center Data Center. Oh, man, you get around. (laughs) I I mean, Distinguished Engineer, I think, is one of the very top roles at Microsoft. There's also the Tech Fellow. What's the relationship between those two?
1: Uh, One notch up. Tech Fellow is one notch above uh, Distinguished Engineer.
0: I can't imagine you being any more amazing than you already are.
1: (laughs) Apparently, there are some people who can. (laughs) (laughs) But if you think about it, those poor guys, once they get that, what that means is it's the
0: last promotion they'll ever get in their life. Yeah, but it looks like a pretty fun job, too. Yeah, I think that, so. Not that I think you're suffering terribly. I mean, it and I've sort of abbreviated your bio here in one line, but everybody knows you as the the god of PowerShell. <laughs> and thanks for that, by the way. And the latest version, PS4, is awesome, dude. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I haven't it? even got my head around it yet.
1: Yeah, you know you want know, your crazy story. So my wife and I went out of bed and breakfast this weekend, and I, you know, and there you have the morning. You get together over breakfast, and oh, who are you? What do you do? And this guy's this professor down in California. He does Asian studies. This other guy he says, "Well, I just do IT for the state of Washington." I said, "Oh, yeah, what do you do?" He says, "Blah blah blah. You know, I do some scripting." I said, oh, what do you use for scripting? He says, oh, PowerShell. I said, oh, what do you think of that? And the guy starts raving. Oh, I love it. It's the best thing in the world. And I don't know And he says, so what do you do? And I said, well, I invented PowerShell. (laughs) it's just crazy. (laughs) But I just let the guy go. You know, I didn't want to, like, influence him or anything. But, I mean, he just thought it was the greatest thing in the world and how he's sharing all these scripts with these guys and those guys. And, oh, they're doing it all wrong. And so he just writes this script. And he wakes up every morning. And his wife goes into this and it's like, oh, this one guy, he's such a nice guy. But every uh, uh, Patch Tuesday, he's in all weekend making sure by hand that all the all the machines are up and running and she said and so then this guy her husband wrote him a script and now he gets to spend the weekend with his family because the script runs and if there's any problem it emails it to him and and it's just just like
0: more more give it up (laughs) (laughs) well you really are affecting lives jeff like let's make no bones here that's the absolute truth of things yeah well that's what makes it such a fun job isn't it uh and it was about a year ago, the last time you were on the show, and we were talking about DevOps. DevOps, yeah. yeah. And and that was really the beginning of this. It goes all the way back to that your blog post from May of 2012 as well.
1: Yes, and you know, I, I had a hard time biting my tongue uh, during
0: that and not talking about what we were planning to do. Sure, because Server 2012 was coming out maybe six weeks later, and yeah, we. Couldn't talk about any of it yet. And there's so much good stuff now. I'm, I'm almost overwhelmed. The R2 yeah. stuff's even more, even if it's only in preview. Yeah, is that crazy or what? Well, I, I'm glad to see we're moving in this direction. I just think that uh, as IT pros ourselves, as operators, we're still struggling to really get our head around, what are we trying to do here? Like, How am I really going to make all of this work? Because developers are crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so yeah. Um, We got to talk about uh, Desired State Configuration Manager. Yes. That was the thing that was so hard to not talk about. That's the one you wanted to talk about a year ago. Exactly, because it's just so exciting. Well, so for folks who have not heard about this, what are we talking about here?
1: So desired state configuration, it is um, it is well. You know, a lot of people think of it as a PowerShell thing. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely accurate. We actually took a, an extremely cool architectural approach to this. Desired state configure, in fact, is a standards based management infrastructure that um, uses PowerShell as a provider model and as an authoring language. So let me explain what that means. So basically what happens is you use any tool you want to create this document, which is called a MOF. That's a standards-based management document that says, here's the world I want it to be. And what you do is you give that to a, a Windows server. Actually, it's, it's any standards-based management thing that has a... DSC agent on it. And what it does is it interprets this document and makes the world that way. So we like that. You remember, remember Star Trek, right? Right. Star Trek, Jean-Luc Picard, you know, sits back there and he says, ah, here's what I want to do. Make it so. And then number, whoever it is, number one, uh, goes off and he does all the hard work to make it so. And the card's off drinking his tea, right? It's all just good. So that's sort of the model. You say, here's the way I want it to be. And you give it to some agent and it makes it so and only bothers you if it can't, you know, and you don't have to worry about the details about how it does it. The other thing it does is that it continues to check. So in, in the real world, we have this thing called configuration drift which is to say, you do all this hard work, making the world just fine, and then 20 minutes after you're done, somebody goes behind you and messes it all up. Right. Well, this desired state configuration has a document as to the way the world ought to be, and it will continually check and change it uh, to make it that way. Now, I mentioned to you that, um, so the way it works now is you can use any tool you want to create these documents. Mm-hmm. However, in PowerShell version 4, We extended the language explicitly for the scenario, and so it is, of course, the best way to create these documents. It's very easy. We have IntelliSense support for it. You say, oh, you know, I'd like a configuration, and on these nodes, here's what roles I want, and here's what files I want, and here's where I want them, and here's what the users should be, et cetera. And you say, make it so. Uh, and then that creates these documents that then get pushed out to the to the machines and uh, they're made so. Now then, when the machine you know gets this document, it sees what it is. It looks and says, oh, do I have a WMI provider to make it so? And if so, it calls that. Or if it doesn't, it says, well, do I have a PowerShell provider to do that? Now, a PowerShell provider is just a module mm-hmm. uh, with a well-defined interface to it. And if it doesn't have either one of those things... You can have configured the machines for a central repository, and what it will do is it'll go to that central repository and say, hey, do you have a provider that can make it so? And it will downline load it and then make it so. And so this is incredibly powerful. So think of it this way. That's effectively like page faulting in all of your agents into the machine. Right. Because you just say, Hey, here's the way the world works. By the way, it's completely extensible. So, you know, we, it's a version one. So we don't have many things that you can configure, mm-hmm. but already the community is going and writing these, their own PowerShell providers and uh, making them available to other people. And so you can do that and you just put them up in this repository and then you set this document saying, Hey, here's what I want it to be. You send it to the world. It says, I don't know what you're talking to about goes to the central repository, pulls it down, says, oh, that's what you mean, and makes it so. And I'll tell you, you know, you hear the story, and you know the story, and it sounds great, but then when you do it, like we were getting ready for tech ed, right. and uh, we were getting ready, and you try this, and you screw it up, and you try that, and you screw it up, and all these things, and, it's, and then I just use the story, right? I said, okay, now clean up my machine and get me back to the initial state. And it really is such a transformational experience. I mean, it's just so cool.
0: So, I mean, what kind of configurations can we specify? Like, we, I immediately go to the idea of building a uh, a web farm of some kind.
1: Exactly. That's what we demonstrated at the uh, at uh, TechEd, mm-hmm. is, uh, hey, here's a set. And, no, actually, to be clear there, I think, let me see. I think, no, I think that uh, some of those we did with demo providers, right. which we just published all the day, and some of them we uh, are shipped in box. So you can set up things like... Um, you know, Here are the roles that I want on a machine. Yeah. So we said, "Was oh, those machines don't have IIS on them. Get IIS on them. Yeah. And then we said, oh, well, it doesn't have these websites. So we said, hey, the website actually relates to a set of files that are over here and should be over there. Right. Uh, you can install packages and archives like MSI files. Uh, you can set up groups and users, things like that. Uh, and then I think we have demo environments, like yeah, that was it. So we, we had a bunch of demo uh, resources that we were using to set up the demo. Mm-hmm. So concretely, it had uh, VMs and VHDs to go uh, configure the demo environment with a d- domain controller and a bunch of IIS VMs.
0: Yeah, and it's just this sort of stuff's going to just pile up for all of these different things you need to configure. Yeah, exactly. But it also strikes me like you said building up for a demo, I'm thinking from managing the development process, you know, one of the axioms that I've really grabbed onto in the DevOps movement is a templating process for everybody working on the app so that yes. the configuration in production is the same as configuration in QA is the same as configuration in development. You you nailed it
1: exactly. So if you take a look at uh, some you know Jess Humboldt's work around continuous deployment in mm-hmm. the in the DevOps community, basically they the we we modeled our stuff after that, which mm-hmm. is to say, um, there's portions of your configuration that stay the same in your development, your test, and your production environments, and then there are portions that change. So the specific IP addresses are going to change. Right. The number of machines that you're going to have in your front end are going to change, et cetera. And so, what we have is we got a, a way that's you know one is you know a constant configuration, and then we have a per area configuration, or you know a you know a dev configuration that you bring in, a, a, a test configuration that you bring in, and a production configuration that you bring in. And that changes things, but other than that, everything else stays the same.
0: For sure. Yeah. And just being able to know that though, what's different there. I mean, in the first scenario, you sort of painted where they it would change itself back. That's great. I'd also, I really want that clear record of what changed, who changed it. And so we can start pursuing why.
1: Yep. I got gotcha. you here. That's going to take us a while to clean up. Right. We definitely want that. Um, but basically that gets down to the individual resource itself and what logging he has. Mm-hmm. So it'll take us a while to get all that cleaned up. But yep.
0: I can also see it being very frustrating. I've had this experience with later versions of Windows where if you, you know, go under the hood and try and swap out a DLL, you know, the system actually fights back and puts the old one back in place because you're not following the process correctly here. Yes. So, you know, I can imagine someone who's trying to do a shortcut to change something in production and, again, could easily modify a DLL, just to put out of the DLL and then the desired state configurator comes and goes, oh, no, no that's wrong. Back yes we call this <laughs> we call this the
1: competing controller problem yes and that's why now no you, you you might readers might or listeners might note hey microsoft has tried this a couple times before so how does this differ from some of those and i'll say that the big difference between this and and all the things that went before us is our focus in on simplicity mm-hmm. simplicity 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 So concretely, if you think about the DevOps world in in the cloud, uh, it's a very very simple world. What I said was, hey, this thing has to be uh, uh, you know designed, developed, deployed, and debugged by a junior engineer. If it doesn't, if it requires a senior engineer or a distinguished engineer to do anything, um, we did it wrong. Yeah. And so concretely, that is the case. You know, it's a very simple mechanism. It doesn't solve every problem in the world. It doesn't solve the edge cases. Guess what? The guys who tried to solve all the edge cases, they were the guys who produced solutions that didn't work or were so complex, people couldn't adopt them.
0: Yeah, they get lost in the details. Exactly.
1: And like, well, is it is it Tuesday? And, is, is it and Okay, so this guy wants this set this way, and this guy wants it set a different way, and so I'm going to solve the intention of these two guys to produce a result that's going to make both of them happy. I mean, just insane stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't do any of that. Yeah. Yeah, there's one source of truth. If you want to have multiple people argue about what that should be, You figure that out, and when you're done, send me one document because I'm just going to deal with that one document.
0: And I'm sure it's all firing all the stuff into the logs anyway. There's got to be ETWs being written out so you know that it's doing its thing.
1: Yeah, and we have really, we really focused in on, uh, on the tracing. So, um, when you go set it, you know, say make this so you can do it in a verbose way. Now, the nice thing about this is, I don't know if you've seen any of the screen captures. We focused a lot on this being basically, um, well, what I said was make sure that it's recognizable, not readable, right? Which is to say, originally when we did this, you had these nice sentences about what was going on, but there were so many. It's like, that's a war and peace, right? No Nobody's going to read that thing. Yeah. So instead, like, make sure these things align with columns. You don't need to be a sentence. Just tell them what you're doing and make it, you know, recognizable, space it so everything lines up. And it's really quite useful because then you run something and you can just zoom, skip, skip, skip. Ah, that's what I'm looking for. Find it, read it, move on.
0: Well, this reminds me of PowerShell because PowerShell is one of those things that on the surface is fairly simple. You don't need to know an awful lot to get useful PowerShell, but it gets very deep as you start drilling into it. So people can, are able to do complex things, even though it's not necessarily a complex tool. Yep. Yep, that's the goal. All right. It's, it's very interesting balance because he... You know, you this isn't a product. Like, you haven't made it as a product. You're confusing me here. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that
1: up because, uh, you know, here's the thing. This is a platform play. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned to you this. There is a three steps, right? So there's the authoring language. You can use any authoring language you want to then produce these documents, then get on the machine, and then the machine makes it so. Mm-hmm. So guess what? So, we've gone out to all the folks doing configuration management and said, Hey, we're building this platform. Why don't you use it? And so, in fact, at TechEd, we had I don't know if you're familiar with OpsCode Chef. Sure. Um, yeah, so there's Chef, Puppet, CF Engine. There's quite a few of them out there. Uh, we had the OpsCode guys on stage, and they were showing how OpsCode, a technology demonstration of OpsCode leveraging our
0: DSC engine. Wow. Yeah, it was very cool. Chef's an amazing product. It just never seemed to be very Microsoft-friendly. Well, here's the problem. And so basically... um You know, all those products are Linux products, Unix products,
1: and they work because they are great at manipulating text files, Mm -hmm. right? Because Linux is essentially a document-oriented system. You just change a document and restart a process, and you've managed the system. Right. But that doesn't work with Windows because Windows is an API-oriented architecture. Mm -hmm. And so I discovered this when I tried to bring in, you know, Bash and awk and Sed and grep and say, hey, now I'm... Now, make them part of Windows, and then we can manage Windows. And it didn't work because Ock didn't work against the registry. said mm-hmm. didn't work against Active Directory. GREP didn't work against WMI. We're an API-oriented system. And so when I talked to these guys, one of the guys said, yeah, you know, effectively we're just kicking butt on the Unix space. And then when it comes to Windows, it's like hitting a brick wall. Wow. You know, and we either have to either go write all this stuff ourselves uh, for every managed element or we go try and talk to people and say, hey, well, why don't you make your stuff manageable to my product? And then they say, well, wait, what your product, why shouldn't I do the other guy's product or, you know, what, what the heck? And so our story is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take care of that. We're pretty good at evangelizing to the world. Do it this way on Windows, and mm-hmm. getting them to do that. Uh, and then once we do that, uh, you'll they'll be able to plug into anybody's configuration management system.
0: So that's the benefit of the the platform play, right? Yeah. And it, well, and in the end, is you know PowerShell is this text driven thing that is actually influencing the whole company. You know, I love how. The IIS administrator just became a wrapper over top of, of PowerShell and Exchange is the same way. I can't wait till we're all like that, just because it means no, there's nothing I can do in the UI that can't be done in a script. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. It's going be fun. So it all, this all comes together then and we can use the tools we want. So Chef is on the playbook now. Yep. It is. That's, that's really cool, sir. Like that, that's good news because I, yeah. you know, as much as I want to buy everything from you, you can't seem to build it all. It's a lot.
1: And well, you know, we've always been a platform company. Right. So Yep. And we you know, honestly, the way I think about this is um if I can if my customers have the access to the best tools, they're gonna benefit mm. and I'm gonna benefit. So, you know, if those tools are my tools, great. If there's somebody else's tools, that's great. Degrees to which there's competition, there's multiple tools and they're each like forcing each other to get better, even better.
0: Yeah. I, I totally agree. There's also still going to have to be some rationalization here too. Like I was getting pretty good at doing template driven uh, virtual machine generation with SCVMM and ConfigMan. But Ah, excellent. Cuz this seems to step on this as well. Like rather than do that, I can actually step into the VM itself and do the configuration at a lower level.
1: Yep, and so we're integrating. This is the cloud service model. Mm-hmm. So the SCVM templating is now being lined up with the Azure um, models, and we'll have a common cloud service model. And we've had lots of discussions about how DSC plugs in, integrates into that. Mm-hmm. And so you indeed you can plug in uh, DSC Desired State Configuration scripts as part of your cloud configuration, cloud service model um and then watch that space because we got it all planned out for the the next steps as well
0: does OpenStack factor into this as well not really now okay but i can i mean i like the idea that uh, as i'm probably dealing with plenty of customers here where some stuff they're willing to put in azure and stuff stuff they want to keep in house but clearly uh cloud architectures have influenced the on-prem data center now. So the idea that I could use the same set of tools, even the same set of scripts, and it doesn't matter whether I'm deploying VMs locally or VMs in Azure, is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Basically, there's kind of two models people like to do with these things. Mm-hmm. So first is, Um, You'll have the cloud service model, which is a fully integrated model that deploys both the fabric and the application and and, and basically configures the entirety of the environment. Mm -hmm. The second is that sometimes people will like a model where they'll say, hey, I'm going to use the cloud service model to lay down my basic infrastructure – and then leave it alone, or you know, leave, you know basically leave it alone, mm-hmm. and then have a different tool chain for, to leverage that infrastructure to do effectively DevOps, you know, a faster cycle DevOpsy type model. Right. So both models are are supported, and uh, we'll just sort of see how they how they play
0: out. Yeah, see which one how they the two wrestle back and forth. Yeah, exactly. I love that we're getting better and better at deployment and. And I'm going to pull out some DevOps terms here. This is clearly first-way stuff that we are finding a way to push through the Stack to operations very quickly. I just hope we're going to give as much love to the second-way stuff of getting more feedback all the way along the line. Well, funny you should mention that. (laughs) Am I I teeing up meatballs for you, Jeff? Is that what
1: I'm doing? That's awesome, yeah. So, in (laughs) fact, there's another DevOps term, and that is the uh, minimal viable product. And I want to stress, can't stress enough how we took the minimal viable product approach mm-hmm. to to uh, desired state configuration, which is to say it's very much of a V1. Right. Uh, and as soon as we could, we brought in MVPs who you know, we were able to have a, a tighter, tighter, you know, set of confidential conversations with the MVPs to let them in on what we were doing and got some great feedback from them. Um, made lots of changes. We've been pretty agile. One of the benefits of, of being a V1 is that you don't necessarily have a ton of people on top of you, right? Which means you can change. Once you got a bunch of people on top of you, um, you got to go a little bit slower. Um, so we've been pretty aggressive at taking the feedback and incorporating it. So by the time we get out there, again, it will definitely be a version one, but it'll be pretty darn good one, we think.
0: Now, where is it right now? Is it still part of the preview that is R2? Correct. Okay. Yep. So we don't have to commit to anything. You know, we're living in a preview. You guys are still allowed to change this.
1: Yep. And, and in fact, there have been some changes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, then it's also available down-level as part of the Windows Management Framework. And so the Windows Management Framework is a collection of management technologies, WMI, WinRM, PowerShell, that uh, are, you can install on down-level machines.
0: Well, and I love this is a, this trend in general that the new features come to everybody, or, or as many as you can. It's not just, oh, if you want this, you must be server 2012 R2, but uh, yep. we're actually going to, I know I, I just got rid of my last bare 2008 machine in my, uh-huh. in one of my infrastructures or so at least 2008 R2. We've got a few 2012s deployed, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, a, you know, it's amazing how long some of that stuff hangs on. Well, yeah. you know, we always have
1: a theory of operations here. You know, what, what, you know, by default, the answer is new functionality goes in the latest version of the OS, right. end of discussion. And so you have to have a theory as to and a good justification for why it goes down level. And in general, management infrastructure is something that you want to apply a set of operations across a range of machines. Mm-hmm. You know, if you only have one server, if, if you believe that the marketplace consists of people with one server, then that doesn't make any sense. Right. <laughs> but that's not our world, and therefore people want to be able to have a common infrastructure to manage yes. as many of their machines as possible, which is why we're able to to do this. Well,
0: we're pushing harder and harder on this idea that you never manually configure anything; that everything is done multiple times, and so it, sh- it needs to be automated. Yep, absolutely, because that dri- you know that's what drives down costs and drives up quality. Mm-hmm. Well, they, and it, just the, the nature of the template management approach meant that every time development needed to change anything, they had to talk to operations because operations controlled the templates. Uh-huh. So we create, So I felt like we created this path of, you know, you're falling into this, this pit of success. You can't uh-huh. do something dumb because you always have to talk to somebody first. Right. Well, try not to do anything dumb. Sometimes you can collaborate on some dumbness. Yes, yes. So just looking at the blog here, the PowerShell blog, uh, the Windows Management Framework 4.0 preview is now available. This is of July and uh, available for 2008 R2 with SP1 and higher. Is that Perfect. good? All right. Yep. And so, of course, we've got Server 2012 running around. It's not just 2012 R2, which is a preview product. And so... You want to be careful. Although this is preview, too, how big of changes are going to come between now and whenever you ship this?
1: There'll be some breaking changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, uh, um, you know, you know, feedback we got made us change things. Um, certainly, some of the diagnostics is a, a whole lot better. Um, you know, lots of uh, little feature ads. So, by and large, you, you know, what you see there, the shape of it will be correct. Um, but if you've Built a bunch of things. You should expect to have to change them a bit, right? Not not dramatically, but a bit.
0: So, and is there going to be another round of previews, or is the next going to be a final?
1: I believe the plan is that the next one's a final.
0: Do we have any dates? Are we allowed to talk about that? If we do, I wouldn't talk about them. <laughs> okay. Nothing, no good can come from that. Yeah, you're always wrong. The, the rumor is it, rumor has been somewhere in the fall, which seems fair. I mentioned you'll get it out this year, but you never know. You're not going to comment on that. You're smarter than me, but I don't work for the company. I don't have to be nice about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about system center in the context of all this. So sure. presumably DSC is still very much tied in with config man and, and VMM. Let's see.
1: So right now, again, being a kind of version one, mm-hmm. we have limited integration. The integration that we have is with uh, SCVMM. vMM. And their templates. Right. And that's the cloud service stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's it right now.
0: So and that makes sense. So I could stand up a VM and then inject configuration into it. Exactly. That's part of the automation process. But yep. I can see a future where you could go further than that.
1: You uh, Right now, we are getting sort of crazy, um, uh, uh, excited feedback on the desired state configuration. So my guess is you're going to see it lots of places. Right. There were two things that we tried to, like... Downplay, not quite downplay, but just sort of say, hey, you know, it's there and it's a version one. And, uh, uh, but th- no matter what we said, the marketplace just went nuts. And one of them was around desired state configuration. The story is just the right story, said the right way, the timing's right. People mm-hmm. just went crazy over that. And then our Gen 2 VMs as part of Hypervisor, you know, there just sort of said, hey, it's new technology, you know, it's not plumbed through everything yet, but we wanted to get it out there. And you really tried to, you know, play it down. And and then we see all these articles about, you know, top 10 things. Number one, Gen 2 VMs. (laughs) Well, what's really different in a Gen 2 VM? Oh, basically, so if you take a look at a Gen 1 VM, Mm -hmm. we're emulating really old, crufty hardware, right? So, you know, you got serial ports and, you know, parallel ports. I mean, just like a really, really old motherboard. And so a Gen 2 VM is basically a modern motherboard. Right. And so it has UEFI and, you know, it boots faster, has secure boot, et cetera. Right. Um, But people just, that seemed to get everyone's imagination. I think maybe calling it Gen Two was, I
0: don't know. Yeah, this could could be a naming thing or just a modernization. But I mean, it's fair to say it's nice to have UEFI available in the VM. Like, you know, sure, those are not bad things. But yep. uh, I I get it, and yeah, I guess it was just time to increment that. We don't you don't think much about what the actual uh, you know emulated hardware is in a VM. It just, right. just sort of happens. So yep. yeah, it's funny what people grab onto. It is. It's easy to get your head around what's 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 important going up in the, in the Gen 2 VM. I think DSC is one of those things where, you know, the mind boggles with the choices now.
1: Yeah, you know what's really interesting, though, is, is it turns out that DSC, at the end of the day, is really just a pattern of doing scripts, Mm-hmm. Um, and a set of conventions to support that pattern. And anybody could have done exactly what we're doing at any time up to and including PowerShell version 1. Sure. You know, remoting, probably you could do it to everything. Uh, but it was really just the, hey, we're going to be clear about it. We're going to articulate it. We're going to have a support structure around it um, uh, that then just made it bear fruit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's the, sort of the cornerstone to all of those things. Just make that make yeah. it work that way. Yeah, you know, there's
1: always been this kind of conversation around imperative versus declarative programming, mm-hmm. and that's basically what we're doing. You know, um, now by the way, so there's exactly two wrong answers here. One is, oh, the only thing you should do is purely imperative, right. or the only thing you should do is purely declarative. Right. Both those. You know, if you, you ever hear any of that, run away. Those people are smoking dope. Right, that, that makes no sense. But,
0: um, and I also feel it's like imperative where possible, declarative where necessary. But the bar moves over time because implications become more natural as you get more mature. No, that's exactly it. That's why. Do you remember that, ever that there's this whole game
1: that um, had these two steel bars on a on a piece of wood, and you had a ball. And the trick was, I think they called it moonwalk or something. And Mm -hmm. the trick was you moved the bars across and the ball started rolling. And if you moved it too quickly, it just fell. And if you didn't move it enough, it didn't go anywhere. And the trick to that game was figuring out the right time to go wide and the right time to go close. Right. And that's sort of the way it is with this imperative versus declarative. You know, you got to sense... Where are you? What's the conditions? And do I want to be more imperative or more declarative? At some point, one of these, one of these projects inside was declaring that we were going to be able to do fully imperative programs, like replace the entirety of system center with pure declarations. Wow. And he's, he's listening. was like, wow, really? And at some point, this gathered quite a bit of momentum. People, I mean, that story was so compelling. People were like, yes, yeah, stop doing everything you're doing and, and adopt this framework. And I just said, well, you know, that doesn't really make any sense. Can it's we, a little can we look snake
0: oilish, too, right? A like little, little bit. Yeah, so I get the in there and
1: I start looking at their declarations. And honestly, I'm not making this up. They had declarations, you know, angle brackets, all XML, angle bracket for each, you know. <laughs> right and and while and if and it's like okay
0: <laughs> so just that's, that's your that's your declarative yeah. uh, language you're declaring the old imperative language nicely done <laughs>
1: exactly it's like <laughs> taking a c programming and putting all the keywords in in brackets
0: <laughs> yeah that makes it better oh that was sad oh well it's you know all the ideologues are a mistake you know, you've got to pick a pick a line down the middle, and you know, you lean one way or the other. But it it does, and it yeah, it is a moving fence post too. And that's why I think I'm actually really quite pleased by where we ended up with
1: desired state configuration, because mm-hmm. I think unlike some of the others, if you take a look at the the guys in the space. You know, basically, there's two approaches here. One is what's called an inside-out domain-specific language, right. and the other is an outside-in domain-specific language. And if you take a look at both of them, you know, chef chose one approach, puppet chose the other. Mm-hmm. And both of them took it as far as they could and ended up saying, Ugh, and I need some more of the other. Yep. And that's the deal. <laughs> you need both. Yeah. And we started off in the beginning saying, no, you need both. And so I
0: think our, our approach, our design, is really quite, quite powerful and, and quite clean. Nice. Well, and, and like I said, it's got to, you've got to sort of stroke down the middle to some degree. Puppet and Chef, in some ways, go together because they solve different, the problems in different directions. Mm, yep. But we're still battling with tooling. I also look at just the, the proliferation of PowerShell script management tools. Mm. which uh, you you guys don't seem to have stepped into yet, but there's all kinds of third-party products in that space. Yep. And then this crazy community. So we'll see how far they push DSC. Can't wait to see all the scripts that get built. Yes, it's going to be fun. Well, Jeff, it's always fun to talk to you. Thanks so much for for being awesome. This is great stuff. Okay, (laughs) good talking to you. And we'll loop you back in a year or so, see where we are next time.
1: Yeah, boy, we're going to have fun to talk about then, won't we?
0: Yeah, just think about all the stuff you weren't able to talk about today. (laughs) There is quite a bit of it, actually. (laughs) That's funny. Jeffrey Snover, thanks so much for coming on the show. Cheers. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.